Welcome to the Sisterhood of the Rings, the Tolkien podcast where we discuss all the lore almost no one cares about. I'm your host, Maddie Bolzenius. And I'm your host, Molly Tenley-Strait. This week we'll be discussing J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Chapter 2, The Shadow of the Past. Spooky. Mm -hmm. So for those of you who are just joining us now this is not Very late in the game might i add so late in the game episode two like honestly just turn it off go home no please don't Pl- please don't so this is not a read-through podcast we want to make that very very clear uh we will do a little overview of the chapters but we're not like going into great detail as you will see right now i get to do chapter two overview from the book this week so let's just dive right in. Um, okay, so this is after Bilbo's birthday party. And the hobbits are like flipping out over Bilbo's disappearance. It's it's gossip. It's drama. They're loving it. Frodo's basically carrying on. He's still throwing Bilbo a birthday party every single year. But many years are passing. Frodo's approaching his 50th birthday. And he's kind of longing for adventure at this point. He wants his own eat, pray, love. He just wants to like <laughs> live his fucking life. In the meantime, whispers of what's going on outside the Shire are starting to grow. There's a conversation that occurs between Samwise and Ted Sandyman, who's a random hobbit. And uh, Excuse me, he's not a random hobbit. He's the miller's son. Oh, my God. You're ridiculous. So he's a drunk anyways. They're sitting in the green dragon. They're getting hammered. And they're talking about all the weird people who are at the borders of the Shire. So they're seeing elves, which isn't super common. And then they're talking about these weird tree-like men who are you know 30 feet tall kind of wandering through the forest so back to frodo gandalf returns this is nine years after his last visit and it's 17 years since we've personally heard from him in the book so he comes to frodo and he tells him the tale of the ring because that's what he's been doing for the last almost 10 years. He's like, bye, Frodo. I don't need to check in. Gotta go to the library and do some research. And he does. He finds out everything there is to know. He just has to prove that the ring is the one ring. And they do that. Uh, by casting into the fire, they see the runes on the ring. It's very exciting. Uh, he also tells him Gollum's story as he's telling the tale of the ring. So we learn that Gollum is apparently imprisoned by the Wood Elves, but Gandalf says he believes he still may have a part to play in this story. And all the while, Samwise Gamgee is listening at the windowsill. He's discovered, and Gandalf charges him with the task of accompanying Frodo to deliver the ring to Elrond of Rivendell. And Sam is psyched because oh, he can't wait to see the elves. And he so he bursts into tears, which I absolutely love because so cute. <laughs> me <laughs> all the time. I'm crying all the time. And I relate to Sam in that way because Sam also cries all the time. He does. But I like really sweet moments. I mean, like, he's, I he's not like them. sad crying. He's just like overwhelmed by his emotions and just cries. And I love that. I like a man who can cry. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. Good job. Thank you. It's really to the so point. Much. And uh, I well, I skipped it. over a lot of stuff, but again, 
Like, we're not here to tell you everything that happens in the chapter. You'll just have to do that. Have you been drawing on your foot? I have been drawing on my foot. I drew a ring. I see. And a heart and a star. Yeah, well, those are the things that I know how to draw really well. The I ring mean, I just tried to, you know. I mean, it looks really good. Thank you. Like, it looks like a foot tattoo that, like, a 21-year-old girl would get with, like, her sorority sisters. Thank you. It's a good thing it's not permanent. But it's really good mm. for just, like, you know. The next couple days i'm gonna enjoy it maybe i'll get it permanently done oh god okay by the way me and maddie are getting sister tattoos we are it's we real. are we're getting deathly hallows because we're basic i don't think that makes us basic i think it makes us dorks basic dorks okay <laughs> there is such a thing people and if not we're creating it yes it's a, <laughs> it's a new subculture we drink wine and talk about harry potter and lord of the rings yeah <laughs> and drink our pumpkin spice lattes <laughs> and eat pumpkin pasties this is not a harry potter podcast by the way. <laughs> let's bring this right back to lord of the rings right okay now. we're gonna bring it back to lord of the rings by me doing the movie overview. Oh, I'm so excited. Two. I'm so excited. So I am doing the movie overview for chapter two, and I'm following the extended edition from the movie. And there is so much shit that happens in the movie that does not happen in the books. It's amazing. Actually, the book was a simpler chapter than what's what happens in the movie. It's one of those rare occasions. I know. But um, they did a really good job. It's just that they kind of followed a different path um, there's a lot of jumping around so i think as i do the overview i'm going to just like tell us like where we are location wise because there's a lot of jumping around i love it okay here we go so in the start of chapter two for the movie it shows a view of mount doom and the tower of mordor what's that called the tower of mordor uh, it's are you talking about like the tower with, with the, the eye, eye? Uh -huh. i think it's called the tower of Barador. Yeah, but it has like the big castle and all that yeah. different stuff there. So it shows this big orc army that's growing in the lava pits. Bunch of bitches. Uh-huh. No. No. Oh, sorry. Then all of a sudden you hear Gollum screaming, Shire! Baggins! You sound just like him. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you see the ring race riding out on their horses and they're apparently going to the Shire. Next, you see Gandalf and he arrives at Minas Tirith and in the background he sees Mount Doom and he looks all like worried about it. And he goes to the library and he goes through all the old books and papers and he finds the journal of Isildur from Second Age 3434. And he reads about finding the ring and keeping the ring and the markings that are on the ring that were disappearing unless they're shown in fire. So next it shows going back to the Shire and the ring race are entering the Shire looking for Baggins. They next show this bar scene with Merry and Pippin dancing on the tables, getting all drunk. Frodo and Sam are sitting at a table with a bunch of older hobbits and they're all discussing how you got to stay out of mischief and such. And then it's my favorite scene. They show them leaving the bar and some some hobbit. It might be Merry Pippin. Maddie says it's not, but I really don't think it is. I think it I might think be it's some random. I don't know. There's a hobbit that's flirting with the barmaid, Rosie, Rosie who Sam loves. And it's a really cute photo turns to him and he goes, don't worry, Sam. Rosie knows an idiot when she sees one. And Sam goes, does she? And he's, like, <laughs> all, he's all concerned and it is the cutest. He's so adorable. Sam is just like, he's the 
best. Okay, we'll get to that later because that's okay. what my discussion's about. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, oh I'm super gosh. excited. Okay, so then Frodo comes home and he sees this, finds this like crazed Gandalf. He's going like crazy, like grabs him. Then he ends up having the whole discussion that Maddie already talked about. He throws the ring into the fire and it shows the markings of the one ring. And he's like, this is the one ring. Then they have the big conversation about Sauron and about how... Gollum told them about Shire and Baggins. So then there's a noise at the window. Gandalf reaches out the window and pops Sam on the head with his staff and pulls him into the window. And he's like, don't turn me into anything unnatural. And instead, Gandalf is like, no, I have a better use for you. And he's going to accompany him on the journey to Bree. And in the movie, he doesn't say to Rivendell. He says just to going to Bree. And then he's like, I'm yeah. going to meet you in Bree. Then Gandalf leads them into the woods and says, don't put the ring on. It wants to be found. And then Gandalf rides off. So it's, a, it's kind of a different overview than the book. Yeah, it's intense. And I just want to clarify, because <laughs> now I'm just realizing when I was doing my overview for chapter two, I skimmed hardcore and it is entirely possible that he is not intending to go to Rivendell in the first place. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I realized that as you were, like, making a point of that. And I was like, I think I might be totally wrong with that. So, again, you can email us. Or just acknowledge that we or don't just, know what we're or talking about. just acknowledge <laughs> that we have no idea. Because this is the thing. As long as we acknowledge that we don't have a clue what's going on. Nobody can really fault us for that, right? Well, I think they can fault us for it. You can fault us for it, but love us anyway. But love us anyways. All right. So um, that was the overview. We are finished with that, and we are going to move on to our discussions. Oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear your topic. Your... Mine's much happier than yours, I think. No, no, no. Mine is not. We're not going to get into it right now. I want you to start. Okay, I will. Okay. So while I was reading the book I was really curious about the relationship between Frodo and Sam because in the movie they appear to be best friends and like in the book the bat. yeah in yeah. the book it was really different and so as I was reading it I had a lot of questions about this I kind of just let it pass by and then while we were doing this I was like I actually really want to know about this so I decided to research the relationship between Frodo and Sam so first I thought I would talk about their relationship in the movie and then I'll talk about the relationship in the book. In the movie, like right away, they're best friends. I just talked about in the overview about them like drinking at the bar together and they like leave and have this really personal conversation. It's clear that they're really close. Right. And then as they go on the adventure, it's just like they're best friends and like Mary and, and Pippin are like. strengthening their bond. Yeah. And, like you'll see later, like Mary and Pippin like come on later and they just kind of get thrown into it. And it's like they're just there by mistake. Yeah. And in the book. Mary and Pippin are actually friends with Frodo. Like, Mary is at his house helping with all of Bilbo's belongings, getting them passed out. They're like a little close trio. And then Sam is not in that mix. He's not hanging out with them. He's not at his house just like having conversations. But they do show Sam in that bar scene with Ted Sandyman, which is what you were talking about, right. who's the Miller's son. And they're like discussing this the weird stuff that's happening and they also talk about Bilbo and Frodo it's it's just so different and then also in the in chapter one this happened that Sam's dad the gaffer when he was talking at the bar with the other hobbits yeah they like when they were introducing that idea they were talking about their relationship and they say they're on very friendly terms 
But that like that to me does not come off as like they're best friends. That comes off as me as like like me and my neighbor are on very friendly your terms. neighbor who lives five doors down yeah like me and my neighbor like if i saw their dog running down the street i would go like help them but i'm not gonna like go and have a cup of coffee with them right like i'd get them their dog and then i'd leave and you'd have like a nice conversation right we're for on 30 seconds yeah, we're like very leave. friendly terms we're not friends right we're on friendly terms so all of that you know, just from my personal viewing. But then I found in A Guide to Middle Earth by Robert Foster, I was looking up what the Shire, what their social structure was. And this is what it says. The social structure of the Shire seems to have been rather simple. There were a few members of the landed gentry who were well enough off not to have to work. But most hobbits were farmers, tradesmen, or laborers. So do you know what a landed gentry is? No, I, I didn't either. I was like, what does that mean? And it's a historical British social, social class that consists of landowners who can live entirely off of rental income, like in Downton Abbey. Oh, don't Downton <laughs> Abbey me, bitch. Oh, I girl, you it know. is coming. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> cut it. No, it's not cut. Cut it. It's not cut because there is so much comparison here. You're going to love it. Oh, God, this is exactly this. This could not be more perfect for you. I know. Can I'm I just so excited? I just want to take one second here. Molly talks about Downton Abbey more than I think anybody would have patience for, but definitely more than I have patience for. Jesse says I could have a whole Downton Abbey podcast. Don't. <laughs> don't <laughs> okay anyways but oh, so in down Abbey, but like in a lot of historical british things there's like the big manor okay and that manor owns all of the land in the surrounding yeah. area like okay. they own the village they own the farms they own all of that and then they make their living off of all of those people paying them rental income yeah right so it's the same thing so in hobbiton the baggins the tooks the brandy bucks those are the landed gentries so, like, for oh. example, for Bag End, Bilbo and then Frodo own Bag End, which has all those houses on it. All those people pay rent to pay them. Pay rent to them. That's why they don't have to work. Oh, my God. I know. I know. So, anyways, they have this whole social structure where it's, like, all the laborers, like, the miller's son, the, uh, the gardeners, the blacksmith, all these people... They are like the, the lower class and then the landed gentry are like the upper class in the Shire. Oh my God. And so that's why Frodo and Mary and Pippin and all of them, they're all cousins, but they're all like the wealthy, more elite while the, you know, the, the gaffer and Sam and all of them are like lower and they all hang out. Because they're on the same structure. So if you're looking at Down Abbey, it's like oh. the maids and the housekeepers and all the, the the cooks and all of them, they're on the same level. Yeah. While like Crawley family is like the wealthy elite. Crawley. Crawley. I hate that. Why? Creepy Crawley. Okay. I don't know. Anyways, so that is phase one. Oh, God. There's more. Okay. So get this. So then I was like, okay, so that explains it. So why? So what is specifically, though, is Sam and Frodo's relationship? Right. So get this. Tolkienologist. That's a word. Is that like a degree that you can have? I don't know. I found it <laughs> on um, one wiki to roll them all. Tolkienologist regards Sam as Frodo's Batman. And when I first read that, I was like, Batman? What? What? 
okay, it's not Batman like the character. It's an actual title that a Batman in the British Army is one who acted as a personal servant of an officer. Stop it. They run errands. They cook. They carry things. They transport them, etc. That's an actual thing. Is Is it like a modern day like... I don't know modern day, but guess what? It relates to Downton Abbey even further. No, God, no. (laughs) It does. Why? Because in Downton Abbey, Lord Grantham's valet, they served together in the war, and Mr. Bates was Lord Grantham's Batman. Oh, my God. Are you so shocked? I'm... I'm unpleasantly shocked by this news no i think it's it is really this whole story is actually just lord grantham and mr bates and no. frodo and sam but perhaps they're just the same thing perhaps it's the other way around it, it's not no because frodo and sam had to have come first before the, oh, before oh 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 yeah lord grantham i just want to say that down nabby i'm gonna make this loud and clear for the world right now down nabby has ripped off lord of the rings i think you're right i'm gonna take him down right here <laughs> <laughs> okay so listen i read this really nice quote in the wiki one wiki to roll them all and it says a strong bond of love and trust grows between them mm. and that's exactly what happens so they start off as this class system where the batman and then the officer it's that same thing you cannot call him the batman anymore it, it is an actual title from the british army oh maddie god it's a lowercase <laughs> b so a lowercase okay, b the batman with a lowercase b that's so it starts off like that but then as they go on they obviously become closer and closer and closer until they have a strong bond of love and trust and that relationship falls away all of a sudden they just become friends and i just think it's really lovely that's beautiful yeah i love that so much don't you love that yeah it's really cute i know and it was something so unexpected because i wasn't actually thinking i was going to find an answer to this you know, like I but thought, you did, but I did. Well, that's the wonderful thing about Tolkien <laughs> and all of the information the, online. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, the, the most amazing thing is that you think that you're not going to find an answer and you can find everything that you would ever want to know I because know. he really, really created this universe that's as rich with history and oh wait i forgot to i I forgot to add something else oh tell me okay so you know tolkien was like the early 1900s 1920s when he was writing these books Mm -hmm. he was in the british army so he was witnessing one he was witnessing the relationship between officer and batman he was witnessing that while he was was his inspiration yeah Oh, that's lovely. So he was like literally in the war, seeing this relationship and thinking like, this is a cool thing. And he probably imagined eventually them growing to be like a stronger relationship together. Oh my God. Isn't that lovely? I mean, it makes me want to cry a little bit. Does it? Yeah, it does. Because, well, (laughs) (laughs) but like, it's, it's, it's wonderful to have I just love when authors put their own experience from something as as brutal and and harrowing as war and take the beauty of it and put that into their own work. Yeah, but ra- rather rather than the violence, 
take that right. relationship that they saw and and put that on page in this wonderful I love that too way and I, I just think that that's I, I mean that's all we can do he like was like clearly looking for the silver lining yeah you know yeah it's not just like servant and master he's like Mm-mm. no like we're no it's we can we can we can pass those those boundaries and become yes, close we can we can go beyond our class and view each other as humans or in this story just as as equals yeah and form a relationship but based don't on you that think that's weird though that they did they, do you think that they didn't do that in the movie because they didn't think it would translate like, do you think that they thought you know, it would I just be don't think too... They, I, I just think they don't... They didn't have time for it. And I mean, I, but I, they I, kept all his talk of, uh, you know, Mr. Frodo and I mean, my master right. and you're stuff right. like that. Like, and it doesn't kept, really make that much it sense. It doesn't make sense. Like, why would... If they're best friends, why would he call him Mr. Frodo and my master right, and stuff like all... that? And then he just called... Frodo just calls him Sam. Like, it doesn't I, really make sense. You know sense. what? You're right. That is something that always has been a little bit confusing is that they seem to be hanging out they seem to be on good terms and then sam is calling him mr frodo and i'm like why are you right addressing him this way right but and they don't explain it but if you're reading the book and then you like know this stuff that is in the past like if you know the social structure then it makes complete sense and i don't think i mean these movies are so ungodly long anyways how hard would it have been (laughs) To just be like, don't tell Peter Jackson. No, I'm not complaining. I absolutely love it. But like, they're so long. I feel like adding in another two minutes of like setting this idea up. Yeah, this wouldn't have been too hard. Well, yeah. And I think it could have also maybe, I don't know, made the relationship that they have a little more impactful. I also think it's interesting that Tolkien didn't feel the necessary to like talk about how Frodo and... And like owning Bag End and like all about that social thing. Like, I think it's interesting that he didn't feel the need to do that because when he was writing this, everybody <laughs> knew about the social structure. And times have changed so much that we're reading this and we're like, wait, what? I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things where I guess it's like you just don't want to get into it. And also, like, it's so much you think work. That's it. He was just like, ah, too much work. I mean, it's so much <laughs> more convenient to just be like, that's... here's our protagonist. He's independently wealthy. <laughs> That does um, not seem like Tolkien to like roll past details. No, and he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't. And Peter Jackson's like, I'm going to leave in all the details, but I just can't do everything. And God bless him. We love you, Peter. Thank you for doing all that you've done. <laughs> There's so much here. Maddie's so afraid that she's insulted Peter Jackson. I listen. If I were to ever shake that man's hand one day, I want it to be with a clean conscience. <laughs> I. <laughs> I, I can't I can't look into his eyes knowing that I've said anything bad about him. Okay, you've never said anything bad in your life about him. Thank you. I thought you were just, just going to stop it. I've never said anything bad in my life. And I was like, Ooh. wish I could claim that. Okay, let's move on to your discussion. Okay. When I started doing my primary research for this, I started to think, why the fuck did I do this? Because there's a lot of information. However, I kept getting deeper and deeper into it, and I was totally obsessed. And here's the big reveal. Do you know who I'm doing this week? No. Sauron. Oh, shit. <gasps> A.K.A. that bitch. Okay, wait, I have a quick question. Yes. Was uh, it Tolkien who labeled him that bitch? I believe those are his exact words. Okay. So, let's talk about Sauron. 
He is one of the Maiar who you talked <gasps> about last week. Yes. So these are the spirits that have been sent to Arda uh, to help the Valar shape the world. So he's an angelic being. He is an angelic being. So he was called Mayron. That is his name was not originally Sauron. And do you know what Mayron means? The admirable. I'm sorry, I was swallowing wine. I did not know that. Yes. So he was a Maya of the Vala Aule, who is the smith. And he learned smithing from Aule, and he became a great craftsman. He was also one of the most powerful of the Maiar. So he's like kind of a big deal. Okay, I just want to do a little recap. Yes. Vala is uh, Vala. One of the Valar. Is a singular for Valar. Yes. As okay. Maya is singular for Maiar. Okay. Right. Okay. In the beginning, now this is even before the first stage. Okay. So this is the forming of the world. Okay. Forming of Arda. Yes. So at first he's good. He's incorrupt. He loves order and perfection and he dislikes anything wasteful. So he's basically a granola composting hippie and he is just like feeling himself. He's like, I love everything and things are cute, but like nothing should go to waste. However, this becomes his downfall. Do you know why? Because he doesn't want to waste time. He joins Morgoth oh, or shit. Melkor because Mehron saw the will and power that would help him achieve his own goals faster than if he pursued him alone. Melkor or Morgoth is the most powerful of the Aenor, who are the primordial spirits that created the world by singing. Yeah, he was one of the Valar. Yes. Basically... Mayron joins him as a shortcut to achieve his own goals. And remember, kids, shortcuts always lead to fascism. So wait, was this before Melkor turned evil or was this when he was still mm -mm. a Valar? No, he was already like kind of bad. Okay. okay. Well, so I was just I was trying to give Mayron, him the benefit of the death. Yeah, the but Mayron's like, he's just he's everybody thinks he's cool and he's actually not super chill. Okay. So basically, he starts acting as a spy, and he's feeding information to Morgoth while pretending to still be, like, BFFs with the Valar. Ew. It's mean girls. It's just, like, it's not good. He's an asshole. So once Morgoth starts kicking ass, Mehran fully backs him, and the Valar are like, what? You know that, like, surprise Pikachu face meme? <laughs> yes. That's what they're like. They're like, he wasn't good. Okay, so the elves start calling him Sauron, which is a mockery of his original name, which means the abominable. So he goes from the admirable to the abominable. So wow. now he's Sauron, okay? He's like, this is who he am. This is who he him. This is who he This is who he him. <laughs> That's my quote now. Okay. I wrote that. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the first age a little bit. This is what I wrote here. Sauron goes full bitch. <laughs> so he's Morgoth's most faithful slash powerful servant. He's basically his lieutenant. He's a shapeshifter. He's a sorcerer. And he's called the Lord of Phantoms, oh, which shit. like, <laughs> hell yes. First of all, I mean, no, like he's bad, but like also I want to be the Lord of Phantoms too. That sounds amazing. So he's going around. He's waging war with the elves while Morgoth is like having fun corrupting the new kids in town, the race of men. 
Sauron captures an elvish isle, which becomes known as Tol and Gorhoth, and he becomes, are you ready for this shit? The Lord of the fucking werewolves. The Lord of the fucking werewolves? This is the Isle of Werewolves, girl. Like, what? okay, yes. <laughs> okay. Wait, I didn't even know there was an Isle of Werewolves. There are vampires too. There's this entire story that like is Is this in the Silmarillion? I have no idea. I am I so excited to read the Silmarillion. I think it might also be in Baron and Luthien. Okay. Because they kind of come into play here. But there's this whole story that happens. I'm not going to fully go into it right now. It's amazing. So Sauron is the Lord of Werewolves. Then there's some drama that happens between him and Baron and Luthien. And Sauron gets his ass handed to him by Luthien because she's like in disguise as like one of his little like servants who's a vampire and like all this shit happens. Wait, wait, wait. It's crazy. There's vampires and werewolves? Uh, yes. Is this it's Twilight? Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. The Ridge Twilight. So Stephanie Meyer stole her shit, too. Yeah. Not only from Fifty Shades of Grey. Down Abbey steals from Lord of the Rings. Twilight steals from Lord of the Rings. Everybody's stealing from fucking Tolkien. He can't even defend himself because he's dead now. So anyways, basically Morgoth is captured at this time. He's sent to Valinor in chains. So they're like, we're not even giving you a trial, bitch. Like, we know you're bad. Oh, they captured him. Yeah. And meanwhile, Sauron is nowhere to be seen, which Morgoth is super fucking pissed about. Sauron cries like a bitch baby and he's like I feel really bad for all the shit that I did to Anwe who's another one of the Valar they're like uh well you know you seem you know pretty uh sorry about all this shit but like we're gonna have to make you stand trial at which point he like nopes the fuck out of there and he's like I'm not gonna do that so he goes into hiding second age are you ready for this so he just disappears he goes away okay yeah he's like i don't want to stand trial because like i'm actually an asshole and i don't want everybody to know that because they will punish me for eternity 500 years later sauron's like should be safe to get on my old bullshit again and he builds himself a mcmansion in mordor he starts building Barad-dur, which is the dark tower uh where we see later in the story like his eyes right you know. okay um and he begins to build a massive army of orcs and trolls and other nasty bitches he wants to get the elves in on his evil plot not really he wants them to like collaborate he wants to control them okay like you get me he really wants to rule the world so in Second Age 1500, he puts on his best wig and heels and rebrands himself Anatar, the Lord of Gifts, which... What? Uh-huh. Sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. So... Wait, I think I did read about this, and he disguised himself as this to, mm-hmm. to learn the secrets of how to build the ring. Sort of. So... Okay. He gets really tight with the elfsmiths of Eregion including this dude named Celebrimbor, who's like the head bitch in charge of craftsmen. And he counsels them in art and magic. So he basically wants to like use them for their craftsmanship. And he's also like, here's some cool card tricks. There's a couple of the elves though that are like not super tight with him and they're kind of suspicious, including Galadriel. Of course, and she's a genius. Yes, and Elrond. Of course. And they're like side-eyeing him real hard. They don't trust him at all. So basically he helps the elves forge the rings of power, but forges the one ring in secret, 
which Celebrimbor he senses like in his mind's eye when Sauron is forging the ring. So basically, once the elves realize he's a douchebag, they hide their rings. He's super pissed and shit gets crazy. The nine rings he gave to men totally corrupted them, of course, because men are just like super easily corruptible. So these nine kings become the Nazgul, his most faithful and like terrifying servants. The ring race, which take place, which we first start hearing about in this chapter. Exactly. So he's super powerful now and he's ready to fuck shit up. The Numenorians really, really don't like this because their ancestors fought against Morgoth in the first age. So these are a race of men, including like the Dunedain, which aragorn is we'll get into all that later i'm not gonna like go into that because it's it's a totally separate thing. totally separate thing and then also the elven king gilgalad and elendil who is the king of the numenorians i believe they band together and they like just bitch slap sauron they win however sauron slays them both but like his armies are like defeated shit's going down however isildur who is elendil's son he takes up his father's broken sword, Narsil. He cuts the ring off of Sauron's finger. Which is exactly what we see in like the first five seconds of the movie. Exactly. So his body's gone. His armies don't know what the fuck to do without him. And so everything kind of disbands and they're kind of defeated. And everybody's like, okay, shit's chill now. Let's enter the third age. Are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. Sauron, at this point, he's chilling in Dolgodor which is the Hill of Sorcery. It's located in Mirkwood. Um, and he's got a different wig on now. You know who he is now? The Necromancer. The Necromancer. Oh, look, I remember yes. something. Okay. So the elves don't realize who he is at first. And they're under the impression that he's just some random dark sorcerer. Like, they know he's bad, but they're not, like, thinking that he's Sauron. Right. There's a difference between, like, some evil being and Sauron. Right. Exactly. Uh, so meanwhile, the Astari, including Gandalf... <gasps> are sent to oppose Sauron and basically, like, rally the free peoples of Middle-earth against him, okay? So Sauron's like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. He's bringing back the Nazgul to wipe out the Numenorians. Yes, hell yes. Like, he's blasting his Kelly Clarkson (laughs) mixtape right now. Uh, He's got shit from Breakaway. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's going crazy. So this is about in Third Age 1300, so Gandalf starts to suspect that Sauron is the necromancer, and he goes to Dolgodur in Third Age 2063, and Sauron's like, come back with a warrant, bitch, and he flees for a hot second just somewhere. I'm sure there's like an actual place that he goes to. It's not super important right now. So he comes back to Dolgodur in Third Age 2460, and the same exact year the One Ring is discovered by Smeagol and his friend Stop. Deagle. Stop The it. same exact year. Mm-hmm. He had to have made that happen. Mm-mm. He has no idea where it is. That's like his whole thing is that he really wants to find... Yeah. So in Third Age 2850, Gandalf comes back and he finally identifies the Necromancer as Sauron. Now that the truth is out, Sauron packs his bags, he heads for Mordor, where he's ready to declare himself and make preparations for his final war against the free peoples of Middle-earth. And that's where our story starts. Holy shit. Originally, I had thought that he only had lived this long because of the ring. Like, the ring gave him the power to live super long. You were under the impression that he had, like, kind of stolen the secrets from... Right. 
the elves. And, and really, in, he in reality, taught he was them one how to do it, right? Because he was taught by one of the Valar, who was like, "Oh my god, yeah." So the rings of power were actually the magic from the Valar. Oh, we have to do an episode and we yeah. talk about what the rings are. We have to. That would be really interesting. We have to. Yeah. Oh, and also there was another side thing that I kind of wanted to talk, wanted to talk about, but I forgot about it. So once uh, Celebrimbor found out that Sauron had betrayed them and forged these other rings, including the one ring, um, all the elves, the reason that they weren't corrupted by him was because they took them off and didn't. <gasps> yeah. They didn't use them. I literally, that was another them. question that mm -hmm. I had was why did the men get corrupted well, and the, the men, elves didn't get corrupted? The dwarves, though. Let's talk about that for a second. Did they get corrupted? No. And here's why. Because they all got eaten by dragons? No. Okay. <laughs> it's the most amazing, like, chance happenstance. The dwarves just weren't corruptible, basically. The dwarves had their rings on and they just proved to be very, very hard to corrupt. So they just kind of kept on doing their own things and like... Do you know what's really interesting about this? Eru, who's the, the de deity, right. the, the god, he created men and elves, but he did not create dwarves. The dwarves. They were created by one of the Valar. Yes. I don't remember which one. I can't remember his but name either. he gave them life. Like they were crafted by one of the Valar. Yeah. And then Eru gave them life with the flame eternal or flame imperishable. Um, the sword. The sword. <laughs> uh, that's really interesting. They were uncorruptible. I don't know if they're uncorruptible, but they're definitely like, they're of stout heart, I suppose I you would that say. I so much. I know, and it's kind of cute. It's like, and evidently Sauron was like super pissed off about that because the, the men are just like, uh, you know, we'll be evil for like one Ritz cracker. And the dwarves are like, No. I, I might be so. full for one Ritz cracker. I, I love Ritz crackers. That actually sounds really good. It right? does. Yeah, I love a Ritz cracker. A little cracker. bit of peanut butter spread on top. Do you top? know what I always imagine with Ritz crackers? <laughs> okay, do you know that scene in the Aristocats when the little mouse oh, is like dipping, dipping his cracker in, in the, the creme de la creme de la Edgar? Oh, the cracker. Yes. <laughs> That's a Ritz cracker. It's a Ritz cracker. It is. And I used to do that when I was a child. I would dip my little Ritz cracker in milk, not because it was delicious, but because I was like pretending it was creme de la creme de la Edgar. I love that. This has like been such a great discussion. I would like to say that if you didn't listen to episode one, you may want to go back and listen to it because I do a really quick overview of the setup of how Arda came to be. Yeah. And it may be really useful. helpful because Maddie kind of dove right into it, which if you didn't listen to episode one might be a little difficult. Basically, I'm just trash. Well, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely go back to listen to episode one, though, because she does give like a really, really nice little overview of who the Valar are and like how the world came to be. And it might help you understand my story a little bit more. But I am so that was fantastic. I'm so glad you did that. <gasps> Thank you. So I feel much. so more in the know. I know. And like Sauron, he's such a fucking bitch. I, too. My favorite part, though, is the Isle of the Werewolves. Isn't that like the best thing ever? And there's werewolves and vampires. I'm so excited. I, it's literally Twilight. It is. It's literally Twilight. Oh, man. This is great. I know. I love it so much. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, and I got most of my information from A Guide to Middle Earth by Robert Foster and one wiki to rule them all, uh, which is just 
the best for our research. I really hope it's accurate. <laughs> I mean, if it's not accurate, then... Somebody would have blasted it by now, right? Maybe they have. We haven't done that much research. Oh, God. What's the author that everybody complains about 24-7? You got his book. No, I didn't buy oh, it. Oh, you didn't? Because, like, literally everybody on all the Facebook groups Somebody is like, tell us. Anybody who's, like, a super, super nerd for Lord of the Rings, like, tell us who's the guy who everybody hates. Also, tell us if you have any other good... Like, we have been using that fandom.com. We've been using the Guide to Middle Earth... The actual books, yeah. Of course, if you have any read. good source material yeah. besides, like, I mean, obviously the books, but if you have any good um, resources for us, please let us know. There's one I used last week that was really good too. Um, TolkienGateway.net. This oh, week, yeah, a, a lot of the information was very similar to the uh, Fandom.com one, but uh, that was really helpful last yeah, week. Yeah, I think I got a little bit of mine from Tolkien Gateway too. I really need to start writing it down because I just get in the zone where I just start like just I like know and you're jumping between tra- websites and I looking know. up the information. It's so I fun. Know. I know. Okay, so every week we are going to read our favorite quotes from the chapter we just covered. So if you are listening now and you have a favorite quote from chapter three, which we'll cover next week, Please go ahead and shoot us an email at the Sisterhood of the Rings at gmail.com and let us know what your favorite quote is and you could have it featured on the podcast. Um, so Molly, you want to go ahead and read your favorite quote? Yeah, I would love to. So my quote comes from the part where Gandalf and Frodo are having their discussion about the past and they're talking about the ring and he asks Frodo to pull the ring out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. Frodo took it from his breeches pocket, where it was clasped to a chain that hung from his belt. He unfastened it and handed it slowly to the wizard. It felt suddenly very heavy, as if either it or Frodo himself was in some way reluctant for Gandalf to touch it. Gandalf held it up. It looked to be made of pure and solid gold. Can you see any markings on it? he asked. No, said Frodo. There are none. It is quite plain, and it never shows a scratch or sign of wear. Well, then look to Frodo's astonishment and distress. The wizard threw it suddenly into the middle of a glowing corner of the fire. Frodo gave a cry and groped for the tongs, but Gandalf held him back. Wait, he said in a commanding voice, giving Frodo a quick look from under his bristling brows. (laughs) Gandalf is such a bitch. (laughs) He could have just been like, hey, Frodo, I want to test it and nothing's going to happen to the ring. I'm going to place it into the fire and we're going to see if it shows any sign. He goes for the drama, though. He's like fucking like frisbeeing this thing (laughs) into the fire. (laughs) He's like, let's see what happens. And I love like he just is like like physically holding Frodo back. I know. And Frodo's like flipping out. like, well, I'm not going to trust you again. Like you're going to give him a fucking heart attack. Please. Isn't that so rude? It's so rude. <laughs> but I anyways, I just think that it was really funny because Gandalf is off, like often very sassy. And I thought that this was just like Gandalf being like a sassy old wizard and I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's amazing. He could have like so easily just been like, hey, get- like, here's what I'm going to do right now. It's <laughs> like, no and time it- to waste. Whoa. Into the fire. And Wouldn't Gandalf it have been is- great too if it just burned up and he'd like, well, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> Well, I mean, at that point, it's just a gold ring. <laughs> like, really, from Gandalf's perspective, it's like Frodo has been left with the wealth of Bag End. It's like if he throws one gold ring into the fire and it's like melted yeah. and destroyed forever, I guess like it would be fine. Fair. All right, oh, my God. Maddie, I love that quote, though. <laughs> okay. 
So my quote is from page 62. Gandalf has told Frodo the whole story of the ring, why it's treacherous, why it's evil, why it must be destroyed. Frodo has this lovely quote where he goes, I should like to save the Shire if I could, though there have been times when I thought the inhabitants too stupid and dull for words and have felt that an earthquake or an invasion of dragons might be good for them. But I don't feel like that now. I feel that as long as the Shire lies behind, safe and comfortable, I shall find wandering more bearable. I shall know that somewhere there is a firm foothold, even if my feet cannot stand there again. Oh, Frodo. It like makes me want to cry. He's already I think accepted. You said that phrase, like, 10 times. Today. That's, well, you're going to hear it a million more times <laughs> in the oh, days to come. Poor Frodo. He has already proven himself to be worthy of this task. Yeah. In this one moment, even if he does not benefit from the peace that is to come, Aww. he will still take this burden. Man, just wait for the Barrow Downs. Oh my god. Frodo's the fucking best. Frodo is the fucking best. And he seems like pretty weak in the movies. And he is not. No, he's not. He's not. He's really, truly an amazing hobbit. And it's one of those things where they keep having these quotes where they're like, well, I guess hobbits are stronger than I thought they were. And it's like, I never quite realized what they were talking about until we started reading through. Yeah. And Frodo particularly is just a cut above and he's just a wonderful, wonderful character. I mean, and so are Sam and Mary and Pippin. Oh, they're all amazing. But, but Frodo, like they don't give in the movies. They don't give Frodo. Frodo truly knows. Yeah. Frodo truly knows the danger. Um, and he's still willing to walk into the fire and it's so brave and wonderful would you like me to sing a line from buffy the vampire i, I fucking walk knew you were good no no <laughs> they need a musical lord of the rings oh my god they do actually it has been made oh my god it has been made stop Yes. You have to show it to me. I will show it to you. Okay. Uh, for those of you who are listening, there is a Lord of the Rings musical. Is it, you can is look it, on, it up. It's on YouTube? You can find it on YouTube. Okay, we're going to share the link on our blog. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sisterhood of the Rings. Join us next week for another always unexpected journey into all things Tolkien. If you like what we do, please subscribe and please review us. You can listen to us wherever you find your podcasts, and you can visit us at our website, thesisterhoodoftherings.com, or our Facebook page, The Sisterhood of the Rings. And if you hate what we do, please leave us alone and turn your rage into a productive hobby like curling. See you next time, you gorgeous nerds. nerds.